On today's episode of Living My Breastless Life, we have guest Lakin Litton, who is a dedicated coach who has embarked on a transformative journey of self-discovery and growth. Her late ADHD diagnosis served as a catalyst for her to embrace her neurodiversity and embark on a mission to help others on their ADHD journey. With a wealth of personal experience, educational insights, Lakin crafts custom approaches for each of her clients, ensuring a tailored strategy for success. Today, we are going to talk about ADHD in millennial women. Lakin shares her journey as a late diagnosed millennial woman with ADHD, signs and symptoms, next steps, and tips to manage ADHD without medication. I'm really excited about this episode as I am a fellow ADHDer. So let's go. Welcome to Living My Breastless Life podcast. I'm your host, HPG. In season two, you'll continue to hear about how we can heal no matter what we go through, some tips and truths for self-improvement, and some little nuggets of wisdom for finding yourself on your path. I'll be hosting some mini-sodes, interviewing some awesome guests, and of course, some episodes with my occasional co-host, Martha. So let's go. So let's jump right in. Lakin, tell us about your journey as a late-diagnosed woman with ADHD. What were some events that happened leading up to your diagnosis? My journey as a late-diagnosed woman with ADHD has been a roller coaster of self-discovery and understanding. Over the years, I faced countless moments of confusion, wondering why I struggled with certain aspects of life that seemed effortless for others. It wasn't until later in life that I saw answers, and my ADHD diagnosis shed light on everything. Embracing that diagnosis as a late-diagnosed woman was both liberating and challenging. On one hand, it explained the lifelong struggles I had faced, but on the other hand, I had to navigate a world that hadn't recognized or accommodated my unique needs. However, I also discovered a lot of strength within myself, and I'm now determined to help others on a similar path. Managing my ADHD involves crafting personalized strategies that work with my neurodiversity. From implementing mindful practices to breaking tasks into smaller achievable steps, I've learned to lean into my strengths and tackle challenges head on. That's awesome. If you don't mind me asking, what age were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed at 28 years old. I was diagnosed in my 20s and I I did not embrace it at all. After I turned 40, I was like, when I heard the diagnosis again, I was like, okay, how can I work with this diagnosis instead of against it? If you don't mind me asking, what was it that caused you to hold back from that diagnosis when you were in your 20s? You know, Lakin, I think I just did not, I was like, I, I really thought that everybody's brain had to work like mine. And what I mean by that was like, when my doctor was like, do you feel like that your brain is on a hamster wheel? I was like, well, sure, isn't everybody's? And this was back in the 2000s, and it wasn't as common of a diagnosis. Yeah, it wasn't as common of a diagnosis, and there wasn't a lot of conversation around it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times females are often seen as anxious you know, as opposed to ADHD. For example, when I was in school, you saw a lot of like hyperactive boys that were like mm -hmm. off the chain. And you didn't see a lot of women who had ADHD. And I just was like, 
eh, I don't know if that fits. I also, oddly enough, don't love a lot of labels. And, you know, I was in my 20s. And like I said, this was in the early 2000s. And I was just like, oh, I don't know about that. And then when I heard it again, after I turned 40, I, and then there's been more conversation around ADHD in women and what that looks like. I was like, oh, and I'm also stubborn. <laughs> so um, I started like leaning into it more and looking into some of the symptoms that I was experiencing. So I'm curious to hear about what are what are some symptoms that led you to to go get a formal diagnosis? First of all, I, I totally resonate with what you just said. Um, it, it was it's very easy for us to assume that everybody's brain works this way. And you know, back in the 2000s, it was very much so like it was the stereotypical little boy that was bouncing off the walls in school that was diagnosed with ADHD and you know, the women were more considered, you know, daydreamers or anxious or depressed. It wasn't so much the ADHD that they were looking for. Um, so I, I totally, totally hear you there. Um, and in a similar way, my brother was diagnosed with ADHD when he was a child, but we had no idea about me. <laughs> so um, some of my symptoms, I, I experienced a myriad of signs and symptoms that were impacting all aspects of my life. I had chronic forgetfulness. I had difficulty staying on track with tasks. I had either a motor mouth or, you know, I would be driven by a motor. I just couldn't stop doing things. I had trouble managing time and priorities. Um, and, and there were times where I would, you know, have that hyper-focus where I would become engrossed in one activity for just extended periods and just forget about my own body's needs. And with that being said, you know, it, if you ever suspect that you might be a late diagnosed woman with ADHD for your listeners, you know, seeking professional evaluation from a healthcare provider or a psychologist, it is essential. Um, understanding your ADHD, it can be life challenging, but, um, you know, empowering you with valuable insights into your strengths and challenges can help you thrive in all of those aspects of your life. And so, you know, while we may not necessarily like those labels, it can be difficult to want to find that answer, to want to understand. But on the same token, once you have the explanation, you're able to work with it. And that is one of the things that I focus on is working with your brain rather than against it. And so especially when you are first diagnosed, I found that there's a grief period almost that comes with that. Like, oh, what if I had found this out sooner? What if I had known? What if I had gotten the help that I needed? What if I had, you know, various resources in school? Um, and so make sure that you're reaching out for those resources and make sure that you're finding a community that can support you um, because you need that support while you're going through that grief process and while you are coming to understand how your brain works and how you can work with your brain. So my background of 20 years is social work. And I had started using behavior modification tools to help me like find the things that I would lose. My keys, for an example, they have to live in the same place. Otherwise, I can't find them. And then it kind of spirals. And you know, in terms of like trying to stay on task and like concentrate, I've tried a myriad of different things that work for me. And I think, you know, I currently do not take medication for ADHD. And I'm curious, what are some tips that you have for folks who can't or or choose not to take medication to assist 
And just as a side, there's nothing wrong with taking medication. I just have my reasons that are more health related than anything. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in line with that medication, like you said, there's nothing wrong with medication. It's for every individual to choose. And the way I kind of see it is medication is one more tool in your toolbox. Um, It may not be the right tool for you at that time, but it is, you know, a resource that is there and it's not going to be the cure-all. I I think a lot of individuals kind of hinge like, oh, if I can just get the medication, I'll be fine. And that's not necessarily the case. It it can help, certainly, um, but there are still other skills, mindsets, things like that that need to be implemented in order to work with that medication or to help you cope without the medication. Um, so a few of those tips would be, you know, like the, the first one I mentioned was, you know, building that support network, um, you know, connect with other late diagnosed women, uh, for that understanding and that encouragement, cultivate self-compassion, be kind to yourself and recognize that your ADHD journey is uniquely yours. Um, and everybody's ADHD presents differently. So what works for you may not work for somebody else and vice versa. Um, setting realistic goals, breaking tasks into smaller steps, celebrating those accomplishments. We tend to not do that. Um, and then remembering that progress is a process and we want to be opting for perfection over pro or I'm sorry, we want to be opting for progress over perfection. My own ADHD is getting in the way here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, also there's nothing wrong with creating an ADHD friendly environment. Um, minimizing your distractions, organizing your space to enhance focus. If you dread sitting at your desk during the day, what's going to make you more motivated to sit there? Um, you know, is it really goofy light up cat headphones? Um, you know, if that's what's going to help you sit at your desk and find that, that joy and that little bit of spark for your day, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, your coworkers in the office might look at you a little funny, um, but you know there are other ways that you can tweak your desk space to work for you and to, you know, help you want to actually sit at your desk and do the things. Um, another thing is prioritizing self care, making sure you get enough rest, eating well, engaging in activities that bring you joy. Not everything has to be productive, um, and, and really, it comes back to what you define as productive. Um, you know, because self-care can be considered a productive task. It doesn't have to have an output. Um, Discovering your strengths, identifying your talents and passions, finding ways to incorporate those into your daily life. And then of course, um, everybody hears it, but you know, mindfulness and grounding. Um, Those techniques can help you stay present and centered during those challenging moments uh, so that your brain doesn't necessarily run away from you, try to find distracting tasks, lead you into a hyper-focus to avoid, you know, that big project that's due the next day, um, you know, things like that. And so acknowledging and embracing our late diagnosed ADHD, it empowers us to navigate this adulthood and, you know, to find that newfound strength and resilience to be able to do these things without that burnout or that guilt. So as a late diagnosed woman with ADHD, what are some tips that you have for managing ADHD without medication? Sure. And, you know, so like we were talking about, there's nothing wrong with medication, but it's just one more tool in your toolbox. It's not the cure-all, but it is something that you can work with 
um, to, to complement how you are working with your ADHD. Um, and so as a fellow late diagnosed woman with ADHD, I understand the significance of embracing our neurodiversity. Uh, so some tips would be cultivating self-compassion, being kind to yourself and recognizing that your ADHD journey is uniquely yours. Everybody's ADHD presents differently. Um, and so what might work for you might not work for somebody else. What might work for somebody else might not work for you. And so being flexible to try on those different things and see what fits. Um, building a support network, connect with other, you know, late diagnosed women um, for that understanding and encouragement, setting realistic goals, breaking tasks into smaller steps, celebrating accomplishments, which a lot of us are guilty of not doing, um, you know, and remembering that progress is a process um, and, and really embracing that progress over perfection mindset. Um, you know, another thing is creating an ADHD friendly environment, um, minimizing distractions, organizing your space to enhance your focus, or even putting a few little dopamine items around your desk that make you enjoy working at your desk. Um, you know, I have a couple of little like plushies and things like that at my desk that I use to, um, you know, just kind of motivate me to want to sit at my desk and feel like it's my own space. Um, another thing would be, you know, prioritizing self-care. Um, making sure you get enough rest, eating well, engaging in activities that bring you joy. Um, you know, recognizing that not eating until six o'clock in the afternoon and only having coffee throughout the day is probably not the best thing for you. I'm guilty of this as well. Um, but, you know, finding ways to make sure you have, you know, snacks at your desk or something to give you that reminder to take care of your own body, discovering your strengths. Identify your talents and your passions. Find ways to incorporate those in your daily life. Um, and then, of course, one that everybody hears and, and kind of thinks that it, it maybe isn't as beneficial as it, it could be. Um, it's, it's mindfulness and grounding. Uh, practicing techniques that help you stay present and centered will help you through those challenging moments when you're really struggling with your ADHD. Yeah, I love, I love those tips. I've been on a self-compassion journey that just started a couple weeks ago. And what I started doing, I have a friend and we text each other the wins for the day. Mm. She is also ADHD. Like she's a really good friend of mine and we celebrate all the small wins. And I think that you're right. A lot of people don't incorporate mindfulness and grounding. And I think that's beneficial for everybody. Like if you take a pause and say, what do I need in this moment? What can I hear, taste, smell? You know, it, it just, it's a very powerful tool for self-compassion. And like you said, just grounding and centering yourself. And like, I love the ideas about the desk. I have like bright rainbow lights up that bring me joy. And it ha I can't have a lot of clutter. And I am also a recovering perfectionist, so I love to hear someone else say progress over perfection. I love that. I have Definitely. that. I actually have that on a sticker on my journal. It's just so important. It's like celebrate all the wins. Another one that I keep handy on my um, my notion board is that your value does not depend on your output. Yeah, I kind of look at. I love percentages. So for me, if my goal is to 
40% and I've done 40%, you know what? I've done 100% of what I set out to do. I love that. So you embarked on a journey to help other women that are late diagnosed with ADHD. Tell us about how you're doing that. If you are a late diagnosed woman with ADHD seeking empowerment and guidance, I am here to support you on your journey. Through my coaching program, The Focused Formula, I provide personalized strategies to help you harness your ADHD strengths and manage your challenges. So together we build a roadmap to embrace your own unique neurodiversity, set and achieve meaningful goals, and flourish in all aspects of life. And that does include um, you know, working on that ADHD mindset. It also includes digging into you know, other possible comorbidities that are involved. Uh, a lot of studies have shown that ADHDers tend to have at least one or two other diagnoses that come with it, whether it's mental health related or physical. And so, you know, if you are an ADHD person who has, you know, chronic pain problems or a connective tissue disorder, um, movement is great for your ADHD, but may not be great for the chronic pain. And so working together to find what is going to work best for you to be able to work with your brain and your body um, is another aspect of the focus formula that we really hone in on. I love that. So where can people connect with you, Lakin? So to connect with me, you can find me on my website, which is asleekbio.com. That is S-L-E-E-K-B-I-O.com slash Lakin Litton, L-A-K-E-N-L-I-T-T-O-N. You can also find me on social media platforms like Instagram. I am at Lakin underscore Litton underscore ADHD underscore coach. And Facebook is Lakin M. Litton, all one word. Um, we tend to post a lot of inspirational content, helpful tips, and updates dedicated to late diagnosed women with ADHD. Awesome. Thank you. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. You posted something the other day about a chopstick like trying to catch a cloud with a chopstick. And I felt seen. I was like, <laughs> I know what that feels like. Or I know what it's like to think that. Thank you for being on the show today. And I'll make sure to link um, how to connect with you in the show notes. And I'll share it on Instagram. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Sure. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living My Breastless Life. Head over to Instagram and follow According to HPG to stay connected to the show. Go get your mammograms.